Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. I am the consummate professional. Didn't want the Patriots to go 16-0 anyways, and best friends with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by some of the guys. We have the man formerly known as Steve Timberland, caster of the double reverse chutzpah, DK Metcalf's number one admirer, resident old man Clark Barnes, and El Sabatier! Captain of the Buccaneers bandwagon and ring bearer Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick's wedding. The working girl Jordan Smith. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Pretty good. Um, we have to, even though this is since this is an audio medium, people can't see us right now. But we are all rocking very flattering V-necks for each of us, and so I think that uh, that should be commended and told to the people that all three of these people who you're listening to speak to you who are about to provide you with expert fantasy advice look damn good in a v-neck yeah it's like they say once guys start doing podcasts together for long enough they sync up fashion wise exactly exactly my v-neck comes with a hood too which is extra stylish in case it gets cold all of a sudden i have one of those and it just never seems to be right like you have to wear Tell the hood and then more. a jacket. Oh, okay. And the hood kind of gets in the way. I don't know. It's got big buttons on it. I don't really, it's like the size of a dime. I don't really care for it, but it mm. looks good. So yeah. the sacrifices we make, right, boys? For fashion. I understand. I understand. I love this. I use this hood all the Like I wear this all the time just when I'm around the house. And I do the Kevin Garnett like hood propped on the back of my head, just kind of dangling, not offering really anything, but just, it's just there for that little bit of warmth that it gives the back of my noggin. That's the move. You got to keep the neck cool just in case you uh, hear any chilling fantasy takes from this podcast, guys, just uh, pull the Kevin Garnett slash Pete. Yeah. Keep that neck warm. Just put the hood right, right at the cover of the top ear. What is that? It's not the covering your bald spot. There it is. The ball. I don't know. You look head. like you have a beautiful head of hair. I'm not jealous. Oh, uh, Becca is absolutely terrified that I'm going to go bald because my grandfather and my uncle, both on my mom's side, are bald. And I believe that the baldness gene is passed down through men from the maternal side. So Becca's very worried that this will go. Be bald. That it is. I, I don't mind being bald. I've, I've shaved my head before, I've gone big before. And it's nice. You feel the air. It breezes through your around your scalp, and you're like, "Woo!" I do have some some nasty moles in there that I've discovered. So my hair, my head does not look as gorgeous as yours, Clark. I would say it's like getting old. Uh, you wouldn't sign up for it, but when it happens, you're okay with it. You've accepted the the fate that comes with it. <laughs> Just like everyone who's listened to this podcast right now accepts the fact that hey, the first three minutes or four minutes of the show. Who knows what we're going to talk about? Right, we're going to talk buttons, about something. Hit that skip football, button until exactly until about five minutes in, and then we'll get to football. So let's jump right into it. Week ten starts and sits. The bipocalypse is here. 
we got all kinds of uh, teams on by this week, which is going to make your your starting lineups all the more exciting. I currently, one of my leagues, have like seven of my regular starters are all on by, which is crippling my team right now. So I am in the midst of absolute chaos trying to figure out who I can add off waivers and who I can put into a starting rotation and hope that they're going to give me at least something. So maybe you guys will offer me some names to uh, pay attention to and to snag. So let's jump into it. As we started uh, last week on our spooky, scary uh, starts and sits, we switched up our methodology to this a little bit. Instead of talking just games, we each have come to the table with uh, two to three starts and two to three sits. So we're going to run through. Let's start with the starts. We'll run through them. Jordan, why don't you give us your first start for the week? Uh, my first start for the week is not all that novel. I'm kind of running on a rookie wide receiver notch right here because it's it's bipocalypse, like you said. Um, but I'm going with Hollywood Brown. Um, I think given that he kind of got a game cushion since he's been back from the injury, now that he should be more useful, especially against the uh, Stinkinati Bengals. Nice. Um, and he missed their last game against the Bengals, so we don't really know what he's capable of, but also neither do the Bengals. So they haven't had uh, a game against him, so they can't really prepare for somebody like Hollywood Brown, um, except for, say, comparing him to, like, I don't know, John Ross or something, but I think he's a little bit better than John Ross. Um, also, uh, there was a development today. This is Wednesday that Drake or Patrick hasn't practiced today. Um, he has been sidelined with a knee injury, which is very interesting because he is um, the not only the best secondary man for Cincinnati, but I think he's probably their best defender, which isn't saying an entire lot. Um, but overall, the Bengals are also 30th in pass defense efficiency, which is not good for a team that looks like they're starting to fire. Yeah, I like to call uh, Marquise Brown has had a couple of big games and then has been battling injuries. So I think he's definitely good enough to do it. And uh, we saw a couple of flashes in the big Sunday night game against the Patriots last night. Uh, and I especially like this one because I need it to happen. So, Jordan, this is a great <laughs> Got to speak pick. it into existence. It's crazy. We all know that the Bengals secondary is hot garbage, but if you look at if you look at their full season stats, what they've given up to wide receivers so far, they rank 14th best in giving up the fewest points to wide receivers. And then if you switch it to the last four weeks, they are giving up the fourth most points to wide receivers. So they started off decently, I guess, or, or at the very least the defense was worried about, well, they, they were getting run on with like no problem. And now things have switched. Now you can throw on them. No problem. So I love the play. I think Marquise Brown is going to have a, a particularly good game. Yeah. I love. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. I was just going to say, didn't the, um, didn't the Bengals play the Niners in their first matchup? They might have. I forget who they play. They play right. a they're, pretty they're, decent team. They're early. They're well. No, the, it was the Seahawks that they almost beat. Oh yeah, that's right. See, and exactly, they almost beat them. I remember thinking that right. Yeah, maybe this team is a little bit, a little bit scrappy. Maybe they are trying to pull some things together, see what they have, and can compete a little bit. But like you said, over the past <laughs> month, I think they're just like. Nah, we ain't gonna nah, try. <laughs> nah. Especially now that the Dolphins have won a game. Gotta gotta get that quarterback, Bengals. Yeah, I, I just want to make a note on I love uh points allowed to position and just points allowed stats. And Pete, you made a good point of looking at 
we've had enough of the season to not just look at the full season. You really kind of look at game by game. And I'm always interested in the bad teams that you look and you're like, wow, they're really not giving up much to wide receiver. Just a little thing that may be really obvious is if, if you don't have to pass, a lot of teams are content to run. So you always want to make sure that that's not uh, yeah. a step. And it's like, yeah, they're not giving up any points to wide receivers because the second half of every game, they're down by three touchdowns. And yeah. Right. Right. That's like the, that's like the Miami Dolphins MO. Cause if you look at the Dolphins, they are giving up the 22nd, fewest points to wide receivers so you know kind of middle of the pack but then when you look at touchdowns they're giving up the most touchdowns to wide receivers so but a good place to look for i mean especially for our exercise tonight for guys looking that you can plug in you could do a lot worse than picking a team that can't cover a position and just throwing something running with it well i mean we'll just start with that then because one of my one of my starts this week is zach pascal the colts wide receiver going up against the aforementioned dolphin secondary um and Obviously, you went and got Zach Pascal with the purpose and intent on playing him, and this is the week to do it. I added him just to help fill in for Bipocalypse. Uh, he's become the focal point of the Colts' passing game with T.Y. Hilton out and with, well, Devin Funch has been out the entire year, but he has emerged as that number two guy and number one guy when Hilton is out, even if it's uh, Jacoby Brissett or Brian Hoyer playing. And I things are kind of looking like Jacoby Brissett might be playing. He, he says his yeah. knee's feeling pretty good. Uh, both of those are, you know, above average quarterbacks, I would say. Brian Hoyer, maybe not, but like Hoyer's fine. He's not yeah. good, but he's fine. Yeah. He's not going to sink the offense. Right. Pascal's gone for over 11 PPR points, three out of his last five games. And it's, the biggest thing is, uh, he's taking advantage of matchups that are advantageous. So he had huge games against the Falcons, the Raiders, the Texans and the Steelers. Uh, so you would like to see the fact that when he has a, a good matchup, he has exploited it and played well. And of course, like I already said, that rings very good for playing against the Dolphins who've allowed the most passing touchdowns to wide receivers. Yeah, and you always, uh, Pete, you were talking about things that you might put up to promote the podcast earlier uh, with the Zach Pascal endorsement. You can do something fun with like a Pascal's wager uh, Ooh. thing. Ooh. Uh, you'll probably be introducing that to a lot of people. Uh <laughs> But it'll be fun for me. So, plus one. Or you know, if you're just a big Raptors fans, you go Zach Pascal Siakam. Mm. Just make that your team name. Nice, nice. May- nice. Maybe a little bit more relevant than the 17th century philosopher. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> a reference that more people will get. Now, Clark making you know references that 3.3333 percent of the podcast gets. Per usual, we all know how it works. Uh, yeah, exactly. Got to stay on brand. Uh, so, Pete, actually, I wanted to interject with another start since you um, did Zach Pascal, and it's mostly just staying right with the Colts, especially against Hell the yeah. Miami Dolphins with Jacoby Brissett if he gets to play. And that's Chester Rogers. Um, Chester Rogers is um, like the main slot guy when T.Y. Hilton is not up for it. Hopefully, he'll be seeing a few more snaps this week. Um, he's not not heavily targeted otherwise um however in two games where he's been targeted over five yards he scored a touchdown in each of them so i think he could be a pretty viable weapon i think they've made it uh, maybe this is just an andrew luck thing but i think they made it pretty clear this season that uh eric ebron and jack doyle aren't going to be the main uh mm-hmm. focal points of the offense and when they do go to a tight end it actually does look like it's Jack Doyle a little bit more, which is 
curious, but might just be Jacoby Brissett's, uh, you know, inclination to go to the wide receivers instead. So Chester Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Rogers has had some good games. And I think the, I mean, the tone here is that it seems like, I don't want to speak for the pod, that, that we're not <laughs> concerned about Brissett's injury and that the Colts have shown despite some pretty significant injuries to you know guys like Theli Hilton who are incredibly good this offense is still moving the ball so still fantasy viable right and in in this week where you're dealing with the Patriots the Eagles the Jaguars the uh, Texans the Washington Breadsticks and there's one other team that's on by too uh the Eagles I, I said them damn uh, it I was doing really good rattling them off I said that too. We are not good at this. You guys are not <laughs> listening to me. I don't know. I'm actually pretty pretty good with my leagues in terms of buys. The Broncos. Week, That's who it is. That's why you didn't remember. That's why you didn't remember. <laughs> That's fair. Um, Sorry, Broncos Nation. <laughs> but when you find a good matchup, exploit it in a week like this, especially when guys like Zach Pascal and Chester Rogers are all likely probably available on your waiver wire. So there are great streaming options for a week where you might be uh, rather short at wide receiver. Which might be another reason for the Colts actually to go with Brian Hoyer this week, because they do have a matchup against the Miami Dolphins. If they feel like he can just go out there and win that game, that's fine. Um, We talked about, or I talked about the Bengals just a few minutes ago. Uh, there are two teams worse than them in passing efficiency defense. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons right behind them and the Miami Dolphins bottoming off the league. <laughs> so either way, though, I'm good with Frank Reich and uh, Brian Hoyer. Yeah. Clark, why don't you give us your first start of the week? We'll stick with wide receiver, I guess. And uh, I'm looking at A.J. Brown, uh, wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so the, the Titans have shown they're not an amazing team, but they've shown that they're solid. And Tannehill has shown that he's not an amazing quarterback, but he is solid. And he is an improvement over Mariota. So in the three games with Tannehill, Browns put up 12, 9, and 12 points in PPR. That's 6, 7, and 8 in standard leagues. And these aren't huge numbers, but with the holes that you're going to have to fill this week, A.J. Brown's available. That 21% is after waivers ran this morning. He is super talented, and he is definitely more the possession volume receiver, so he might be a safer bet than Corey Davis, who's a little bit higher owned. And, uh, you know, might not get you much, but will get you enough to get by and, again, largely available. Yeah, I actually – that was one of my starts too, uh, going with the – back to the rookie wide receiver (laughs) – uh thing i'll talk about uh something a little bit different than it's that uh with aj brown he's actually sneakily ranked the 20 23rd in defensive yards adjusted above replacement so he's basically in uh good company right behind keenan allen and just ahead of michael gallup um so if you you know trust these past few games you know two out of the last three he's led the team in targets and receptions then um, those efficiency numbers for brown can possibly speak to not just uh future good performance this coming week but in in upcoming weeks you know if aj brown is a smart receiver he could start putting it together towards the end of the season which is exactly what you need yeah yeah and he it seems like the in the titans receiving core is shaking out into the Kind of kind of what we saw with Miami's receiving core, where Devontae Parker 
who's the Corey Davis in this situation is kind of the big play down the field guy who is probably going to see five or six targets, maybe catches four of them for 80 yards and a touchdown on a good day. Uh, and then AJ Brown is developing as that Preston Williams guy who's seeing, you know, seven to nine targets per game and is really kind of more of the workload of the offense, but doesn't necessarily have the home run big play shot that, that maybe a, uh, a Corey Davis or a Devontae Parker has with them, but we'll still get you solid production. So I like that. Uh, we're sticking with wide receivers, man, because one of my starts this week is another wide receiver, Mike Williams versus the Raiders. And the name of the game here is positive regression because Williams has yet to catch a touchdown this year after catching 10 of them last year. He's coming off of his best game of the season where he had 111 yards uh, against the Packers at home. And the Raiders are giving up third most touchdowns and fourth most yards to wide receivers. So I think this is a matchup where you're going to see Mike Williams I think maybe even the whole Chargers offense get back on track, but specifically Williams be able to put up another good production in terms of yardage and then hopefully find that ever elusive uh, red zone and end zone and, and score you a touchdown. Yeah. He, he, he's proving to be a solid wide receiver. When you see a bunch, when you see someone putting up tons of yards and not getting in the end zone, uh, it may end up being the uh, four touchdown Mike Evans season where he got like 1100 yards, but that's an incredible oddity. It's like Leonard Fournette's, uh, right rushing a ton but hasn't scored any touchdowns and I, I feel like uh it, I hate saying this because it's just based on feel but like that's going to correct itself it's going eventually. to fix itself um, right and there's no better time for it to fix itself against a Raider secondary that is just giving away touchdowns for free yeah I like it I love uh any sort of like positive regression sort of situation with uh wide receivers that get heavy volume just because once they finally do get that touchdown, it's just like a sweet, sweet cherry on top. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is it's like you love to you like you get an extra uh, satisfaction because you made the move to take advantage of it. Like a couple weeks ago, DK Metcalf, who like leads the NFL in red zone targets, but hadn't caught a touchdown yet. And then against the who was it? Was it, was it against the Falcons where he caught two touchdowns or whatever, you know, like having that kind of, you're like, do your research, you plug it in. It works. Satisfactions all around for everyone. Uh, Jordan, have you run out of your starts by now? Uh, <laughs> you no, I rudely jumped uh, Clark and then took Clark's other start. God, Jordan, <laughs> come back to the podcast and creating all kinds of havoc and chaos. Uh, no, I actually have one other start this week. Um, Hit us with it. So it's going to be Curtis Samuel of the Carolina Panthers. Um, I was looking at some numbers and uh, he, he does have, I have to say this with a caveat because he does have a little bit of a hamstring issue right now, which hopefully that works itself out by Sunday. But if not uh, disregard absolutely everything that I'm saying right now. <laughs> um, so right now uh, Curtis Samuel is, basically one of the most efficient rushing receivers in the league, which is uh, a, a little bit of an oddity, but it's always nice to get those um, extra padded rushing yard stats. It's almost like a quarterback uh, like Lamar Jackson or um, Russell Wilson getting those rushing stats. So if he can get you some rushing yards, that's great. Um, he's playing the Packers who – I still have a pretty okay defense. They've been dealing with some struggles uh, recently. They're not as hot as they were earlier in the season, but um, Adrian Amos, their free safety was added to the injury report today. And they've had some 
the Packers defense has had some issues with stopping some big plays. Um, so Philip Rivers last week, uh, he was kind of able to, to sit back on his heels and the Packers have been okay with getting pressure, but they've just been not hitting home in the past couple of weeks. So if uh, Kyle Allen uh, is able to just sit back there and have some time for things to develop, you could be able to get the ball to Curtis Samuel in a, in a really positive way. And the defensive backs for Green Bay just haven't been playing as great. Um, a lot of teams have been able to figure out uh, how to use Jair Alexander's aggressiveness against him. Um, Kevin King is off and on, like super off and on. So yeah, Curtis Samuel. I like it. I like it. Yeah, no, and and you know that this is this is a true start, and this is a true start coming from Jordan because he is speaking ill of his home team. And when you are willing to put your your fandom aside to bring the people a a honest start then that's something you need to listen to so listeners you need to be starting curtis samuel everywhere and anywhere what about dj moore he's on my team should i start him jordan how bad is the packer secondary how much do they suck (laughs) (laughs) uh well mostly i I like uh curtis samuel because he had he had a big day last week right but he also just looked good while he was playing and that like I predicate a lot of my fantasy uh, crushes on just the eye test, basically. So I'm, I am a, a fantasy, uh, a shallow fantasy player. <laughs> if it looks it's good, like, it feels good. Yeah, if it looks good, then it's probably great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, that's why I'm just uh, crushing on Curtis Samuel right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Clark, you got another start for the week? Yeah, I've got one that I've got a question as well. So, we we talked we touched on the Bengals being terrible earlier and they're playing the Ravens uh, so <laughs> this is a narrative based start so if you don't like that you can hit the fast forward button I feel like they're the Ravens are a team less susceptible to letdowns than other teams so I think that they're just going to continue rolling uh, the Bengals are a division opponent but I think the Ravens are just showing that they're just really solid in all aspects of the game and so I can't imagine them keeping Mark Ingram in there for a full game when they're trouncing the Bengals. So I've got Gus Edwards in there. We talked about picking him up on the pod last week as kind of a preemptive get ready for the playoffs run. And uh, I I picked him up as a speculative guy in one league where I don't have Mark Ingram. And I think that he's going to get some run this week. Mark Ingram, he didn't practice today. It's Wednesday. I don't know if that's just because he's 30 and he's tearing it up and he probably doesn't need the extra reps or if something's going on, but Gus Edwards was 9% owned in CBS leagues and 1% started. Uh, I'm not saying this because he got a touchdown last week. I just see him getting more run in this game because the Ravens aren't going to need to really throw their guys out there for the whole four quarters again. Yeah. And, and again, the matchup is terrific for, for the ground game. The Bengals are giving up the second most fantasy points to running backs. And we've seen on multiple different games, uh, two running backs have, have solid fantasy productions on the same team uh, against this Bengals uh, Bengals run defense. Additionally, last time the Ravens played the Bengals, Lamar Jackson had like 150 yards on the ground. So uh, you can run on them. 
<laughs> you can do that. And maybe the Bengals will try to stop Lamar and Lamar will be like, okay, uh, I'm just going to give it to Gus the Bus Edwards, who I will say, I mean, another another credit to to the pick is that he had a he had a he's had a solid role in this offense all year long and that role against the Patriots led to a touchdown and I think like 40 some odd yards so like it's going to be a consistent workload for him and you're it's a matchup that favors him to to uh, produce the most with that consistent workload and if that workload even gets an uptick then he's gonna he's gonna well outperform what he's currently kind of expected as I like it. I like it a lot. Plus, this frees me up of since since we had been doing only wide receiver starts. I was like, oh, because I've got two left, and one of them I felt Lukey warm on because that's how it said Lukey warm, uh, and it was a running back. And since we hadn't talked about running backs yet, I was like, all right, I'll do my lukewarm uh, my lukewarm take. But instead, since you've already done a running back, Clark, we're going to skip my running back, and instead, I'm going to say, uh, go fire up Ted Ginn this week against the Falcons. He's surprisingly had a solid season in PPR this year. And, and maybe this is my own biases against guys who I feel like are just burners. And I'm like, man, there's not enough regular production there to get you fantasy points. He's had above six PPR points the last three weeks, which is solid numbers for a wide receiver three or four in my mind, which is kind of what he is. And of course, like Jordan said, and talking about those bottom of the basement uh, pass defense, Atlanta Falcons, they're on that list. I just know that there's like a 50-yard touchdown waiting to happen that Drew Brees is going to bomb to him. And actually, if you look at Ginn's averages against the Falcons across the 11 games that he's played against them, he averages 2.5 catches, 34 yards, and half a touchdown. And he scored two. He scored the, each of the last two times that the Saints have faced the Falcons. So uh, that's more or less telling you he's going to score a touchdown this week. Yeah, I always think of Ted Ginn as one of those playing the thirds numbers in roulette uh you know it it pays off three to one when it hits but you have a lower chance of anything good actually happening Ted Ginn's talented he's the deep threat for an already explosive offense that's hopefully going to be getting Kamara back playing a horrible team uh I gave Ted Ginn a long hard look on on waivers this week so you could do a lot worse than throwing out somebody who, who who may get you 60 yards and a touchdown just on one play and it's the bipocalypse, so you gotta you gotta throw whatever you can out there or in an ho- attempt to you know minimize the damage. Anyone else have more starts before we move on? I got I, I have a question. Oh, uh, and this is it. this is a fun fantasy philosophy question. Uh, when you are struggling or when you have a roster spot that you just cannot fill, often you find yourself contemplating two mediocre people on a horrible team. And I'm doing that. <laughs> so guys, I got to ask you, should I be dropping Robbie Anderson to pick up Jamison Crowder in a PPR league? Like, yes. and why am I doing this to myself? Why am I like the jets guys? Like they're not good. What? You should definitely do that. I am. I love me some Jamison Crowder and especially in a PPR league where he's been Sam Darnold's go-to guy uh, and has been receiving all kinds of, let me, uh, let me, uh, let me uh, do some uh, quick stats and information. Jamison Crowder. I also just had this bad habit of always wanting the big play person. And I know that that's stupid because if if you told me like, I'll give you 15 or you have a 50% chance of getting 30 is like, well, I'll I'll just take the 15. Right. And I feel like that's what this gamble is, but then that's probably giving Robbie Anderson too much credit because he's had one good game and Adam Gase doesn't like him. No, clearly Adam Gase does not like him. Robbie this is what I've been thinking about in meetings all day. So. <laughs> your, uh, your, your, your job is very happy to hear this. 
Um, I'm an analyst at work, so this counts. This counts. You're analyze. You're still analyzing. Right. Jamison Crowder's oh. been averaging seven targets the last four games and oh, is coming so off of an 83 yard game with a touchdown. So I would I would drop uh, Robbie Anderson in a heartbeat for Crowder in a PPR league. I hope Crowder hasn't been available for too long because you no, should have he... swapped them out for <laughs> yeah. a long time ago. I'm going to have to bid on him. So we, oh, okay. This is a league where we have incredibly short benches and uh, by Mageddon is hurting someone and he got dropped before that. Right. So uh, the, the short benches make it super interesting. And occasionally something like this will happen. Uh, I know why the person made the decision and now I'm excited. Sterling Shepard also just got dropped too. Did he get um, hurt or something? Yeah, he's he's banged up with a concussion, I think. Another oh, one. Oh, okay, never it's mind. It's not good. Uh, by the way, Clark, it's uh, Bipocalypse. We'd like to keep the, the I wanted to try to branch out. Oh, okay, I'll no, stop. No, okay. no. So This isn't your podcast, Clark. This is our can, podcast. Buy-in. Can we do a uh, a quick, let's talk about our fantasy leagues uh, <laughs> segment here? I, I'm what else have we been about... doing? <laughs> Clark That's what literally I do just week. hijacked the podcast to tell yeah. us, to have us tell him to get Jameson Crowder. Well, it's more of like uh, format. So I'm actually Clark in a fantasy league. I think it's about it's a redraft league with like 14 people and uh, one QB, one flex, otherwise standard everywhere else. But our bench is super shallow too. We have like five bench spots and an IR spot. Is that kind of like how yours is situated? Yeah, we can only have two running backs and only have two wide receivers forced to have an extra kicker in defense and quarterback. So the, the quarterback waiver wire is super shallow. and But we start three running backs and wide receivers too. Like, I actually like it. It's kind of challenging to operate under these odd conditions. No, I hate it so much. I despise <laughs> it. For a new reason I discovered this year last year, it was because I was like, well, you know, this is just me being the football there. And I'm like having a short bench and then having to make these decisions to put good players on the waiver wire is uh, it's helping out the people who just don't draft very well. So screw them. I want to be able to draft well and go in with my team into the season. But this year I discovered that it actually feels like it's been limiting people's trade opportunities uh i don't think there's literally actually there's been one trade that i know of because it was completed by me before the season even started it was a one for one <laughs> i traded cam newton for lamar jackson that's a whoa one. just bragging on that Jesus. I'm, I'm that person I'm that person is now hates everything about what happened to them Actually, I'm four and five right now, so I can't break that. Oh, okay. But either way, because there's options on the waiver wire, there's like zero trade interaction. So it's kind of like the team you got is the team you got, and you're pretty much stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, in those leagues, uh, a really good strategy, I mean, kind of a good strategy in all leagues is try to package the two for one and the three for two. Not only do you usually come out with a superior player, but it, uh, lets you feel a lot better about making those pickups and there's a lot of value out on the waiver wire all the time um so yeah yeah but i feel like people just don't have any sort of inkling to trade anybody because they're like well why would i trade because then that makes me weak in this area or i'm not getting as good a value back in this one i don't have somebody on my bench who i'm like oh yeah i have 
four good running backs. Let me trade one of these guys. You can get better at running back. I can get better at wide receiver, tight end, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I don't know. It frustrates me. So that's what I'm saying. That's what you're saying. That's the point that's made. Uh, all right. Well, before we get into sits, let's take a quick ad break and don't go anywhere. Not only will we be giving you sits, but Clark is going to be telling us the best wide receiver number. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. And now Clark has had hours to brainstorm what the best number a wide receiver can wear is. Clark, what is your answer? Uh, it's the most aesthetically pleasing, or whatever your justification for best is. I think 88. Ooh, it's alliterative. It rhymes. It rhymes because it's the same word <laughs> twice. Still technically rhymes. Still technically a rhyme. That's true. That's true. I, I, I'm sorry. It's alliterative for the same reason, too, while we're on the topic. <laughs> I do like 88, how it looks. 88 through Des Bryant, Michael Irving. It, it's just uh, I hate it. Never mind. I'm changing my answer. <laughs> 83. Okay. Oh, 83. What was Randy Moss? Whatever he was. 81. 81 is a okay, or, 81. Or, yeah, when he was with the Patriots. 81 is a classic because you also have Megatron in it. I feel like that was the number that I grew up as like the the deep threat big body guy was was always 81. That was the number one receiver. Anquan Bolton was 81. Oh yeah, that's a nice one. Jordan, what's the best number for a wide receiver to wear? The best number for a wide receiver is 17. I like it. No homerism here. No, no, no one particular in mind. Just. Yeah, just, no, just generally. Have you noticed that no wide receivers wear, like, numbers in the 80s anymore? Yeah. The Ringer like, did, like, a whole article like, about it. It's super weird. It is really but I weird. But I didn't realize it until... I didn't see the Ringer article, but I think somebody tweeted it that there's like, yeah, nobody wears numbers in the 80s anymore. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, sure. Unless they're a tight end. <laughs> Unless they're a tight end. Yeah. Something about the 80s making you look big when it's on your chest. I don't know. I'm I mean, things up. <laughs> you might want that, though. <laughs> I always had to wear 44 in basketball because that was always the jerseys were done by size. Right. Mm-hmm. So like all the 12s were the little guys. I was always a big guy. So I, I like 44. 44 as a basketball number. I like I like the 40s because I always associate because the Celtics have so many retired numbers that like basically big men always universally wear in the 40s, 42, 45. Um, and so I have a special association with it. 42, Al Horford for the Celtics. Beautiful, beautiful number. Number talk. 
number talk tonight is, on the RB one. This is the reason why you come here. Uh, all right, let's get into some sits and uh, let me quickly scroll up my notes because Clark and Jordan, y'all both said to start AJ Brown, which is great. Good for you guys. Uh, but I am not buying into a popular streaming option in this game, which is Ryan Tannehill against the chiefs. Uh, he's been a name that I've seen a lot thrown around as like a, a, a potential bipocalypse fill in. I'm not entirely sold. The Chiefs are giving up the 10th most points to quarterbacks, but their pass defense is fourth in DVOA. And I think the their rankings in terms of fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks has been inflated over the last two games versus Kirk Cousins, who threw three touchdowns, and then Aaron Rodgers, who threw three touchdowns. But if you look at the three games before that, you had Joe Flacco, uh, who threw for 213 yards with no touchdowns, Deshaun Watson, who threw for 280 yards, a touchdown, and two picks, and then Jacoby Brissett, who threw for 151 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is on par with Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers, so I wouldn't expect that production from him. I'd much more expect the maybe 200 some odd yards and maybe a touchdown not to say that that's a kibosh on aj brown who i think is probably would see the vast majority of those 200 yards passing but i i don't think that Tannehill is this like lock and loaded plug him in if you're if you need a quarterback to stream for the bipocalypse kind of player this week bold bold. (laughs) which is clark honestly tell me that you never thought that you would be saying sitting Ryan Tannehill is bold. (laughs) When did you ever think that you would be saying that sentence? (laughs) Also true. It's the against the chiefs part. So you really came with the numbers and it's making me question just my random thoughts on it. Uh, But yeah, yeah, yeah. Make a good point. I mean, but like it could be, it could be what we looked at the last three weeks, and it could not just be because Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins have been playing really well. It could be that the Chiefs' defenses, their secondary hasn't been as strong. Um, I don't know. Or maybe teams with the return of Chris Jones have stopped being able to run the ball as much, and now they're passing more on the Chiefs' defense because, like we talked about on the earlier set, you can only use the stats that you know you get. Yeah, some people were baffled. Uh, some people, including myself, why the Vikings went away from their strength, which is Kansas City. So weakness. annoying. I had I do so not ma- think the Titans will do that. No. If they can run, they will. <laughs> and so that would be another good uh you know point in your favor of uh you know when Nick's not here, I can say nice things about Derrick Henry. That may be another point in the favor <laughs> of Derrick Henry for this one. Yeah. Yeah. I was very upset. I uh, bought a lot of stock in the Vikings backfield last week in DFS and they all let me down. I was very upset by that. Look, if I'm streaming a quarterback in Bipopolips, it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. So That's the only, that's who I'm streaming, baby. Live and die by the beard. Fitzmagic is back. Fitzmagic is back. And throwing touchdowns to Clark's Devontae Paca. You know what? He's had two good games. So he at minimum he can have three good games. So this is the third. This is his third game, and then he's just going to have an epic. Then he's done. Then Then get rid of him. Then then drop him. Uh, (laughs) Pick up Nick Foles instead because Gardner Minshew is over. Well, shed a tear for that. Uh, Clark, who's a sit for you this week? Speaking of the Dolphins, this one isn't. It isn't incredibly bold, and with everyone on by, I'd call it more of a shy away than a sit. But I, I. wouldn't invest a lot in Kalen Balazs this week uh, just because he's not really that good. And I know we're excited about him because he is a starting running back for someone. Uh, but I, it's a shy away. If you have to play him okay, because the starting running back can, can fall into the end zone and get you a touchdown and make your week. But I just really 
hope people haven't forgotten kind of what he's looked like. He's really one dimensional. I think we should really be looking at who the Dolphins have brought in and Bo Scarborough to, uh, to their practice squad. And if he gets promoted to the team, I will definitely be making hopefully a preemptive cheap pickup before he gets into action and people see like, Oh, this guy's pretty good. Yeah. And, and miles, uh, Gaskin, who I think is like a sixth round rookie that they're, uh, that is now go. backing him up. No, someone, I, I don't some, think Balazs is going to, you know, light up the world. And yeah. yeah, I wrote, I wrote an article for fake teams with a, with a streaming option at each position for during the bipocalypse. And I had Galen, Galen, Galen. Yeah, that's right. Kalen, Galen, Galen, Kalen, with a K. Galen, what is this? Kalen Balazs as my, as my picket running back. And, and I wrote this early this morning and, and throughout the day, I've just become progressively more and more like, or less and less sure of that pick because while I, I picked it because it's like, he's a starting running back. You can get him off waivers. I'm also now like, I I don't necessarily know that he's going to do that much this week. And Colts are pretty stout on D. They're not lights out, but they are solid. So it's reversed the kind of general thought that we had on the Colts for kind of the past decade is they're, they're pretty good. So Miami may uh, not bounce after their uh, after their victory. Yeah, this isn't uh, Chase Edmonds coming in to fill in yeah. for David Johnson. This is a running back who is really kind of a bummer because I kind of liked him coming out of Arizona State uh, when he was a rookie. But he was a starting running back this season. Then he wasn't the starting running back this season, and it was not because of injury. He lost his job for a reason. Uh, you know, part of that I, I can't blame on him fully because he does play for the Miami Dolphins, and they have not had a decent offensive line in years. But the other part is that he's just not the best option. He's the only option right now. And sometimes uh, – opportunity is king but Kalen Balaj, we've already seen him get the opportunities and do nothing with them so don't get too excited about him being starter again yep yep that's a good call for everyone who uh read my article on fake teams and took it to heart ignore it now we'll still read it and retweet it um, <laughs> still, still give me clicks but yeah. but but the uh there's but other the, things in there <laughs> there's other things yeah there are other players i talk about all of whom are right uh jordan who's a sit for you this week uh, sit for me this week. Um, this one is a little tough because there are not a lot of other options for the go ahead here, but I am going to consider if you have him sitting Jared Goff against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, we've seen, uh, in recent weeks, Minka Fitzpatrick just be like a lingering, uh, pick six waiting to happen like a like Pittsburgh a first secondary. round pick spent on like a, a like key point to a rebuilding team that you'd want in your yeah. secondary exactly he's, he's the shiny new car when you know the uh the basement of your house has flooded um <laughs> jared goff has not looked that great he's uh had the bye week to kind of get things correct but going to pittsburgh is a tough ask Um, especially when, you know, they just have a a really great home crowd. Um, They've been playing pretty decently so far. Um, And also, staying on brand from the earlier episode this week, the Northeast might get a little snow this weekend. So keep your eyes out on the radar. 
if it's snowy, I would be weary about starting both Goff and Mason Rudolph uh, because they would just both are very capable and have the players to just turn and start handing the ball off, um, which is what I expect they would do. So keep your eyes on that weather report, folks. Yeah, I like this play a lot. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steve, the defense I think has been has been uh, underrated through the last couple of weeks and has really started to take big strides forward. And we we've seen Jared Goff have struggles this week, or not this week, but this season. And uh, and I I like it. I like it. It's a tough call because I don't necessarily. There are some options out there who maybe you can start over Goff, who you'd feel mildly comfortable with. But I think ultimately the play is right to maybe sit him this week, take someone who maybe has a little bit of a risk to them, but trust that they're going to still outproduce Goff in what could be a, uh, a tough game for the Rams offense. Excellent. Uh, another set that I've got, I am not sure that Kenyon Drake is going to back up his huge Thursday night game against the 49ers with another big game against the Buccaneers, especially since Tampa is allowing the second fewest fantasy points to running back and David Johnson came out today saying he's definitely playing this week, which is going to mean a reduced role for Drake and a tough matchup. And I'm not, I'm not starting him with the expectation that he's going to produce like he did last week. And I'm not even going to start him because I don't really think that there's going to be a reliable fantasy workload there for him, especially since the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, defense is awful against the pass. And so I would expect a big Kyler Murray day and I would expect a big Christian Kirk day and the big Larry Fitzgerald day. But I would think that that means that, and maybe David Johnson in the passing game, but with David Johnson returning, I'm, I'm not buying stock in Kenyon Drake. We, uh, having a, a, having a great part two. That's not it. Encore. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Tampa Bay has been pretty tough against the run and they have just been giving it up through the air. We know the Cardinals want to pass, which doesn't mean that the running backs won't be involved, uh, but this will be, you know, it's a tough one, but we, we're trying to give out some, some tougher sits. So if you're struggling, I do like the idea of, you know, maybe breaking ties against them. Yeah. You hope that Kenyon Drake was a handcuff that you were able to get while your David Johnson was out. Um, the thing is, Kenyon Drake's not exactly a change of pace running back when he's paired with David Johnson. Uh, they kind of do the same things in that they are home run hitting backs who can catch passes out of the backfield. Um, and also, if Christian Kirk is playing, that means uh, targets to him and various other wide receivers in the receiving core. So Kenyon Drake, is he's risky this week, too to get uh valuable production. Yep. Uh, Clark, you got another sit for the week? I have another shy away and oh, this one's a bit more bold than my first one. Uh, you mentioned the weather in the Northeast with the Pittsburgh game and uh, Juju's also going to be facing Jalen Ramsey. So I'm going to shy away from Juju Smith Schuster. If I possibly can this week, if you've got a bevy of wide receivers and you've been struggling with who to start and having a hard time breaking ties one way or the other. I think this is going to be a good week to sit Juju. Uh, Not that he's not great or that he's not getting the ball with the new quarterback, but Jalen Ramsey is legit, extremely good. And uh, they may force feed him the ball against Ramsey, but man, I would be looking somewhere else if I was Mason Rudolph. Yeah. 
No, I, I love this play because I think Juju has gotten to the point now where we've seen him have very solid slash pushing strong fantasy games against really bad opponents, really bad defenses. But when he's against a really good defense or against a really tough matchup like Jalen Ramsey, I mean, how much faith do you have? Like if it was Ben Roethlisberger, how much faith would you have Ben Roethlisberger getting the ball to Juju Smith-Schuster against Jalen Ramsey, let alone how much faith do you have Mason Rudolph getting the ball to him? So I like this. I like the play. I don't even think that this is something to be cautious about. I think this is a pretty confident you should be, he should be on your bench this week. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey has also had an extra week uh, to just kind of hang around the Rams facility. I'm not sure how much of a difference in defensive playing style. He'll be uh, playing with the Rams probably a little bit, probably pretty similar. I think he's going to be playing more man coverage. But the Rams should honestly just pull a New England Patriots and have Jalen Ramsey just cover the whomever the number two wide receiver is going to be in Pittsburgh, which will basically just eliminate a, a target or basically a side of the field and then double team Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, cause why not? Yeah. I do think it means it will probably be a big game for Jalen Samuels if he's fully healthy. Uh, because we saw the fact that Mason Rudolph just loves to check the ball to him and let him do his thing. But it'll be a good game for it. Just let those guys on the Rams defensive line come on through and lots of screens, a lot of, a lot of passes out wide, you know, quick, quick hitters. So James Conner might be back though. Oh, intriguing. Potential. He, I think he might be a game time decision. Those are the worst. Uh, Jordan, Uh, why don't you wrap us up with your final sit for the week? Unless you guys, unless Clark has three. My, my final sit for the week. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to speak on this, but (laughs) Uh, it's going back to rookie wide receivers and it's sitting <laughs> the young rookie DK Metcalf um, because he's going up against a really good defense, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I, I think that the, I mean, this is a probably a classic NFC West matchup where they're just going to be bashing each other's heads in. And um, if Russell Wilson is not, uh, being thrown to the ground by guys like Taron Armstead and Nick Bosa, then he's probably going to be looking for his favorite target, Tyler Lockett. Um, I'm not sure he'll have a whole lot of time for place to develop to DK Metcalf, which is DK Metcalf running like 60 yards down the field. Um, he's been a touchdown monster, but um, he hasn't been extremely efficient. Um, he's all the way down in, Demarcus Robinson and Danny Amendola territory for defensive yards or defensive adjusted yards above replacement at 43rd. So uh, I think there are other possible streaming options. He's a super hit or miss risky flex at this point in the game. I've been nodding my head the entire time. I absolutely love this play. I think that sitting DK Metcalf is 100% the right right way to go because we've seen these two teams battle it out and they are vicious. Uh, I disagree, but I do have two (laughs) notes. Uh, Touchdown (laughs) Monster sounds like a good but difficult Halloween costume for Mm. next year if you're planning early. Nice. Uh, And also... uh, Full 51 weeks ahead of time. I'm kind of a, a... a three-part prediction and it's just kind of a if you were waiting for it guys here it is getting up on my soapbox uh when seattle beats the 49ers this week 
Uh, it does not mean that the 49ers are a fraud and you are going to look stupid when you tweet that out. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. I can't right. wait for the are we sure they good tweets. Oh, it's going to be the best. <laughs> just, just, yeah, just don't click on that stuff. Like if you see this and it bothers you, don't click on that stuff. And when you see someone constantly putting stuff out like that, just mute them. Mute, or by the click way, on is it the best enraged. tool. Mute is the best tool on Twitter because you're just ignoring the person. Blocking them is active. They can see it. It's like, oh, I'll show you. But muting is just ignoring them. And people on Twitter want attention. So it is literally the best thing you can do if you want to fight back. Hashtag use the mute. <laughs> you, even have, got it. you heard it here first. <laughs> there we go. We got them all. <laughs> oh, Clark's brush with social media has gone so well. Um, all right. Well, there you go. Those are all of our starts and sits. But don't think that this podcast is over quite yet because, you guys, it is time. She is batting 100 this season. Hasn't it's, been wrong. Sorry, Pete. I, I let you do it last week. It's batting 1,000. Batting 100 means you're 1 in 10. Batting 1,000 means you're 100%. <laughs> uh, I saw that in a tweet, too, and I was like. Oh, it's Okay. <laughs> I can't let you keep doing it, Pete. It's I know. I love Thank you. you. I'm helping. Thank you. Thank you, Clark. You are helping. She's batting a thousand. I'm batting a hundred. I'm old enough to know baseball statistics. That's I know. I even I tweeted am, that. Kids. I even tweeted that. I was like, "She's batting a hundred so far." And I was like, "Ah, oh. well, clearly now I don't know baseball." Uh, but we're gonna get the Oracle on the line because the Oracle has not been wrong yet this season, and every prediction we've thrown her way, and we actually have a listener who wrote in for their uh, start sit conundrum that they've been dealing with. So we're gonna propose it to the Oracle and see what she thinks is going to happen. While we're waiting for this, so I'm looking for a Houston Chronicle Hello. article that I want to read. Go ahead. Hey. Uh, I am looking for the services of the Oracle. Oh, the Oracle is here, but also a sidekick or two. Oh, okay. Who who are the sidekicks? Sidekick is your father, okay. who knows even maybe even less than I, I would go as far to say is certainly less. <laughs> and the other one is Trudy the dog. Oh, perfect. Well, she might be the most intelligent of the group of you guys in terms of football. She has watched. Oh. She's watched the most football with me. I would say. But only because she can't speak. But only, only she, right. Well, I will say, Mom, I have learned from Clark that I can't I, batting a hundred is not right. But you are batting a thousand so far this season. Wow, I've been right every time. Undefeated. Wow. Um, you so he set me up for success here. I right? am not. We are giving you tough <laughs> questions. And in fact, this week we have a listener who wrote in a question. So this, this is their start-sit dilemma, and you're going to tell us which of these two players they should start. Okay? <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. So okay. should they start David Montgomery, who's the running back for the Bears, versus the Detroit Lions, or Mark Ingram, uh, running back for the Ravens against the Bengals? Now I know you like to have a little bit of background, so let me give I you do. let me give you these numbers for you to for you to think about to let it percolate in your brain. The, okay, although I usually prefer like a life story kind of background versus numbers. Okay, all right, all right. I'll give you a life story. David narrative, Montgomery. I love it. <laughs> a narrative. It's all about the narrative. Uh, David, yeah, it's all about the narrative. David Montgomery is the rookie running back for the Chicago Bears, who has over the last few games broken out in a big way and has finally shown the potential that the team thought that he had by drafting him. And he also is the team's best option on offense because their quarterback is garbage. 
and the Lions run defense is one of the worst in the NFL so that there's a big chance for him to have a big game. Meanwhile, Mark Ingram, who plays for the Baltimore Ravens, a team famous for running the football. However, he has competition nipping at his heels. He's an older back and they might use this game against the Bengals, who are also terrible, to rest him up for a playoff push while the younger running back behind him uh, gets a little bit more touches. But both have a chance to have very big outings this week. But which one's going to produce the Oracle? What is your verdict? Well, so I have to say the younger guy, what's his name? David Montgomery. David Montgomery sounds really good. But being an old person myself, I got to root for the old guy to hang in there. And also, you know, living in the land of Tom Brady, you got to root for these aging ball players who are still performing. This is the Oracle casually dropping the name Tom Brady because that's the one page, the one football player she knows. <laughs> Hopefully I got it right. <laughs> you nailed it. You did great, Oracle. So your your vote in this uh, start-sit dilemma is to start Mark Ingram against the Bengals. Yep, that's it. Excellent. Thank you, Oracle, for another You're successful welcome. fantasy advice session. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> Bye. So in one fell swoop, the Oracle has told you to start Mark Ingram and destroyed Clark's claim that Gus Edwards is worth starting this week. I like it. We're facing off. Boom. It's going to be so, a battle. Who will bet 100 after this week? You stay tuned and find out. I'm putting money on your mom, I feel like. <laughs> Uh, I need to start creating more uh, more rich narratives for her to latch on to. <laughs> Just start making up really random stories. <laughs> really random backstories. Uh, so Dave Montgomery, you know, he's from Tallahassee. <laughs> he wasn't originally in the league. He came up through the XFL after he was working at a lobster shack. Uh, but he made it to Chicago, the land of bears. <laughs> that was pretty good. Maybe you should be doing this. I've had a lot of a lot of time in the past, you know, fifteen <laughs> seconds to think about it. So. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, so at Stilly Ryan, who sent us that that start sit question, there's your answer. The play from the Oracle is Mark Ingram. That is it for the show. Make sure to subscribe on everywhere you get your podcast iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. Uh, leave us a review. Give us five stars. We'd love to hear from you. So if you want to send praise or maybe some constructive feedback, feel free to drop it in the comments uh, on when you when you subscribe. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark and Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. We will be back at you next week. Everyone out there, enjoy, and I hope you survive by apocalypse. And until then, peace.